we really asked our patients to refrain from using languaging like that, that very judgmental language around food to help them heal their relationship with food. This is the Begin Within podcast, where we believe real, lasting health and fitness requires you to start inside before you work out. I'm your host, Nate Slegger, and I'm here to show you behind the scenes of fitness. You already know exercise is good for you, but what about all the other things in life that affect your fitness? If you're looking for extra motivation to get started or to make sure you keep going, this is the place for you. Produced by BeginWithin.fit. My guest today is Marissa Evans, a licensed professional counselor at Rogers Behavioral Health in Appleton, where she works in the Adult Eating Disorder Partial Hospitalization Program. I approach my conversation with her with sincere curiosity to learn more, more about the difference between disordered eating and what we might call a diagnosable eating disorder. And I was particularly interested to learn about the ways that um, some of the methods and tools that she uses to help patients might be able to benefit all of us when it comes to our relationship with food. I'm so thankful that she was willing to do this. And if you, as you're listening, feel like you could use some support from someone like her, here's what you can do. You can go to Rogers Behavioral um, Health's website, rogersbh.org, and click on the Request a Screening option. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. As you listen to my interview with Marissa, there are a few things that I'd love for you to listen to very closely because I feel like, again, it, it can benefit all of us when it comes to our relationship with food and our desire to move forward to a healthier place. First of all, listen for that difference between disordered eating versus a diagnosable eating disorder. What is disordered eating? What makes the difference? Secondly, listen for the importance of your reasons for your behaviors. It's a really interesting part of the interview around that, around thoughts, feelings, and actions, and where our desire for change is coming from, what our motivation is. Listen for that. And then finally, we talk about language and how it can impact our journey, our approach, and the decisions that we make, and even uh, the health and balance of our thoughts when it comes to our relationship with food. So when we talk about language, listen very closely. We'll review those after the interview. I really hope you enjoy my interview with Marissa Evans. Think about disordered eating in that it's an unhealthy pattern of behavior related to food um, and can also include one's physical appearance in that. Um, 
I think it's something that's super common that we see today because there's such a normalization with diet culture and exercise, and especially since COVID-19 has impacted us in such a big way. There's been a big push with this for over a year now with you need to lose X amount of pounds or get on a healthy diet in your time during quarantine. And that's not the message that we ever would send to our patients because that can turn into that unhealthy relationship with food. Got it. So the effort maybe to help people is actually causing some disordered patterns when it comes to eating. Yeah, there's definitely good intentions behind it in terms of somebody getting healthier. The disordered eating part can come in when it gets to that point where folks are wanting to modify their weight and shape, and then it can proceed further where they're going to start potentially engaging in behaviors specifically for that purpose. Got it. So it could be like, hey, like now that we're all going back, like social events, like it's time to lose whatever you gained during COVID and then it creates maybe a little bit of fear and panic and discomfort. And then maybe someone takes some unhealthy steps to try to fit into that, that mold. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And we work with a lot of patients here who view that as something that they have to do and they use those behaviors like exercise, for example, we mm-hmm. have a lot of patients who struggle with overexercising. So they eat something or they eat something very challenging for them. They experience incredible shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And as a way to get rid of that food or to punish themselves for choosing those items or eating that food, they will overexercise specifically to modify their weight or their okay. shape. So that's where it can become unhealthy. So I don't want to send the message to anyone that eating foods that are healthy or good for you or exercising is a negative thing because it's most certainly not. Our message primarily includes how do you do that in a balanced way, in moderation, where your intention is not to punish yourself or modify weight and shape. So really asking patients the why behind it. Okay. Okay. And is, well, maybe I should ask this, where, where's the line between like disordered eating and having like a diagnosable disorder? Where's that at? Is it in the why and there the intention behind it, or is there more to it? I would say the diagnosis can be made more clear and by no means am I an expert on diagnosing these types of things. Um, But when it becomes an issue with your daily function and your ability to to function daily normally or in a healthy manner. Got it. Okay. So it starts to impact work and my family and things like that. If now my, and that's my relationship with food or my desire to um, modify my weight. If that would start to kind of negatively impact other areas of my life, then that, then there's a sign that there's a bigger, a bigger issue for me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Got it. I'll just use myself as an example. I don't know. Maybe I'll end up calling you after. No, (laughs) (laughs) no worries. Okay. I'm curious. Um, if you can, are there some kind of like typical or usual signs and symptoms of that, that, that you see? 
Yeah, so I can speak to what we see here as far as what we treat. Um, there can be a significant weight gain or loss depending on the nature of the eating disorder and what that diagnosis might be for that person. Um, modifications to their food intake specifically for that purpose of manipulating their physical appearance. Um, there's that compensatory behavior. So I mentioned prior that exercise can be used as a punishment or a behavior to get rid of the food. That's something that we would term as a compensatory behavior. Okay. Um, so really asking again, the why behind that, why are you exercising to this extent after yeah. eating something to compensate for food that they have consumed? Okay. Um, I won't go into detail on this piece, but there can also be a host of medical complications that can occur um, with a very severe eating disorder. Okay. Interesting. I'm curious about how much of maybe the population is undiagnosed when it comes to maybe having an eating disorder. Is there any, any ideas on that or research on that? I think that's a great question. While I can't speak to the specific numbers or statistics around that right now, I think a lot of it has the potential to become something that's undiagnosed because it's something that is often very hidden from people. The more severe it gets, the more isolation and avoidance there is. Okay. So that's where it really impacts the functioning because um, it's something that's easy to hide, especially with the normalization of diet culture and exercise as it is. It's, it's really easy to, to stay hidden and nobody finds out about it. So, okay. Um, so what, what are the approaches that, that you would take or what are some of the common ways to treat some of those, those problems? Yeah, so here we use cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's really looking at our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors and how they all intersect with one another. Okay. And typically we'll see the very challenging or un unhealthy behaviors first. And that's why a lot of our patients will present to treatment in the first place. Um, and then we as therapists work on the feelings or the thoughts associated with that and really get to that why behind their reason for engaging in such behaviors. Wow. Okay. Um, is there a, is there a, a normal pattern to that? You know, I've heard sometimes thoughts lead to feelings, which lead to actions. Other times feelings lead to thoughts, which lead to actions. Do you have, I guess, do you have a, an opinion on that? I've seen it both ways. Um, okay. Sometimes I'll see people have the feeling first and then they can go back and identify what the thought is. Sometimes the thought happens first and then the feeling immediately follows. Okay. That being said, our patients aren't always aware of what the thoughts are until after experiencing the feeling. Okay. Interesting. So the feeling is, is almost like strong enough to cause a little bit more awareness about what that thought might've been. Potentially. Okay. Or is a thought might just, uh, just pass passing through and I didn't, yeah, didn't necessarily notice it. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Um, I love it. I like, I love talking about that, you know, that side of things, the, in, the kind of the inside of, what's, what's motivating us to, to the behaviors that, that we have, whatever they may be. Um, and, you know, 
like I told you earlier, a lot of our listeners are, they're working on living healthier, right? So a big part of that is a relationship with food. Um, I'd love to know, like, just from your perspective or in your opinion, what are some of the ways that what you do to help your patients might, might help, you know, someone who, you know, maybe, maybe it's not like a diagnosable disorder, but they're trying to have a better relationship with food. What, what are some of the ways that some, some of your approaches might help them, or maybe just like a, a mini version of what you do that's, that someone might be able to benefit from? I would say number one thing that we would encourage with our patients is that balance piece. Okay. Um, so really thinking about, again, what's your intention with either avoiding or engaging in certain behaviors, looking at the why behind it, and then the balance piece really coming in and thinking, like, it's okay to have foods that we might see as unhealthy. Um, so a lot of times like sweets and sugars, they're mm -hmm. put in this big list of, I, I can't have that yeah. <laughs> because they're unhealthy um, or they will have it on their cheat day, right? We okay. hear that yep. a lot of the time. Um, we really ask our patients to refrain from using languaging like that, that very judgmental language around food to help them heal their relationship with food and be okay with having those things and having the things that are seen as healthy within our culture. Wow. Yeah. I, I when you said that, like, you know, I smiled the cheat day. Um, it has, it is a big part of like, I feel like our, like the fitness culture, um, you know, I, I, I stay really strict for six days. And then on Sunday, I, you know, it's my cheat day, do, do whatever. Um, is, are, I'm curious, are there any other kind of like key, keywords that you heard thrown around a lot that create some of that negative, negative thoughts around food? Here, we definitely want to discourage from using the word diet. So that's okay. a word that we really will try to challenge our patients on. Um, we don't have patients do diets here. We use the term meal plan instead, okay. just to help take that potentially negative association out of it. And like I said earlier, absolutely no shame. If you're a human who is able to be on a diet and have a positive relationship and experience with that, that's great. When you struggle with an eating disorder, it gets to be a little bit different where the diet can become very extreme. And I would say too, overall message would be, we try to avoid that, that type of languaging, that black or white, that concept of good or bad. Got it. All food is good food. All food has nutrients. Some just has different types of things in it and it's all okay. Okay. So, so like when it comes to like that word diet, it's one of those things like you're either on it or you're off it, like it's black or white and it's, it doesn't lend itself to someone kind of having, having that balance that you talked about. Yeah. Okay. We don't do diets here. Got it. No, that's great. I love it. Um, so for someone who is maybe just starting out, you know, I think about maybe, um, 
you know, for myself, if I was just hearing this conversation, you know, on this podcast, and I was just maybe gaining some awareness of how thoughts and feelings are influencing my, my eating behaviors. Um, and just like, whoa, I need to, I maybe need to pay some attention to this, or I need to get started giving attention to it. What type of advice would you, would you give to help someone maybe take those first steps? That makes my brain go back to one of the initial pieces we talked about, the intention piece. Okay. So what is your intention with eating certain foods or exercising and what's the why behind you're doing it? So as you're just starting out exercising, is it because you feel this strong desire to lose weight or is it because it's something that you really enjoy and want to do for overall betterment for yourself and just to have those feel good feelings? Got it. Wow. Okay. So going back to that intention, what's your why here? Yeah. Cool. Great. Thank you so much for doing this, Marissa. This was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. My pleasure. I want to thank Marissa again for joining me here on the Begin Within podcast. And again, if you would benefit from some support just go to rogersbh.org and click on the request a screening option. What did you love about that conversation? I know for me there was so much. I think that idea of really taking a good look at our reasons for our behaviors. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What am I seeking? If it's not to become healthier in a balanced way with moderation, then what's it for? What's really behind it? And maybe along with that, when it look when we look at um, where that line is crossing over into a you know a disordered pattern, how is what I'm doing really affecting me and affecting the things that mean the most? to me. If the behaviors that I'm taking on are negatively impacting me and the people around me, the people that I love, then what's really going on? Those are some great questions for us all to ask. And then the other kind of aha piece from that interview for me was our language around health, fitness, weight loss, dieting, whatever it may be, as we try to change, to try to improve, try to become healthier, what is my language like? Do the words that I choose to use have that black and white, I'm either on or I'm off, I'm either good or I'm bad, this food is good or it's bad? And what impact is that language having on me in my life and on the people around me? Does it support me? Is it positive? Or are the words that I'm choosing to use creating some negative responses for me? Are they fueling some feelings of shame and guilt because they're so black and white on and off? I made a bad food choice. I did something bad when it comes to what this diet requires of me. So, so valuable for us to give some 
attention to our language, both what comes out of our mouth, right, but also what's happening internally with our thoughts and our feelings when it comes to our journey to become healthier. That's it for me today. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Begin Within podcast. I will talk to you next week.